Hey guys, thank you so much for listening or watching our podcast. If you're enjoying our podcast, we would like to invite you to support us by leaving us a review. Let us know how you have been encouraged by each one of the stories that you have listened here. Also leaving us your feedback. You can also help by following us on social media on Instagram and Facebook or by liking or commenting on our post and also by sharing with your friends and family. Also, don't forget to subscribe on our podcast and YouTube channel. Another way that you can also help us is financially by visiting our Patreon page by going on the link here on the description. I was introduced in China to an underground church. In China, there are two types of churches. The bigger churches, the more the visible churches are, are the government established churches. Mm. And those churches are free to go all the time. They would teach more self-help stuff. But they're not allowed to preach the end times because it prompts fear. They're not allowed to teach that oh, God is the only authority in your life. God can't be the only authority in your life if the government wants to have power over you. So it, it basically strips away the entire gospel and just gives you the morals of Christianity. This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a series dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bakalu. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi, and determined from them the, the exact time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then... Opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left their home country by another way. Now, when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord. Out of Egypt, I called my son. This is from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. Uh, next week, we'll be celebrating Christmas Day. And this is a very special season. And this is one of my favorite seasons. Christmas is my favorite holiday. <laughs> and it's just because of the Savior that has come onto us who came to save sinners. And I just hope that we can, while we are gathering around the table with our family, that we can take a moment and to really reflect why is it that we're celebrating this season. 
It's not because of the gifts. It's not because of the light. Yes, it's beautiful. But the reason why you and I are celebrating Christmas is because of Christ. Because he came to save you and I from our sins. So that one day we can enjoy eternity with our Father in heaven. And if you listen to one of the episodes, probably a couple episodes before, we had Clifton sharing his testimony and we heard a little bit of the story of him and his fiance. So today we have Clifton's fiance with us. Um, Yes, (laughs) Ashley, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for saying yes, for agreeing <laughs> to do this. Oh my gosh, she's like, oh, we're, we're recording? Oh, okay, the camera's going to be rolling the whole time. <laughs> I'm very camera shy. So. <laughs> Ashley, since, you know, next week is going to be Christmas, uh, can you tell me a little bit about some of the Christmas tradition in your family? Do you guys have any? Actually, very interesting story is that my family doesn't celebrate Christmas. Um, Mm. If any of you know me, I come from China and um, my parents have been divorced since I was young. And also my mom, she was in a more legalistic Christian cult Mm -hmm. that believed that any holiday is pagan. Wow. Yeah. She basically denied every other message behind. uh, We don't celebrate Christmas and everything. Yeah. So actually the first time I had a traditional Christmas celebration was actually with Clifton's family. Wow. Yeah. How was that for you? Because it's a It was very refreshing actually just to see how a normal family would interact with the Christmas season and also all the fun stuff. And I mean, I think what was more impactful for me coming into Christianity and everything when I, when I started, um, reforming my theology I, I it was actually um august and then leading to that was uh christmas later on um when i first attended grace grace's christmas concert was when i sort of first under understood the significance it had in a mm-hmm. lot of um christians in particularly in america and in um in the west in general mm-hmm. so and i also kind of saw the opportunity for evangelism through the season of Christmas, mm-hmm. which is something that uh, that I didn't really consider prior yeah. to that because I was um, more or less influenced by my mom's understanding of what Christmas is. I was hesitant about the whole thing um, mm-hmm. and also a little bit um, guarded towards it. But yeah, after just having a better understanding of Christian liberty and also a better understanding of um, the significance of Christmas, I felt more comfortable and just rejoice with the angels the time that Christ has come to mm-hmm. redeem us from the, this fallen reality and, you know, um, keep us for eternal life. Yeah. So, yeah. So you think that's something that you and Clifton will uh, continue? Adapt, continue to? <laughs> I don't know. He's actually know. here, so I'm just looking at him. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, we'll probably figure out our own traditions mm-hmm. and everything. I know that Clifton's a very sentimental person and he loves um, all the all the little things that his family has embedded in him from his childhood and everything. And so I don't know how much we'll keep in terms mm-hmm. of like having it so in sync with what he has experienced in his past. Um, but I'm sure there's going to be traditional things that we do in the future we'll figure that out yeah (laughs) i would go for the more like a thanksgiving gathering 
would uh-huh. be something that I would generally like to do, uh-huh. but to have something like physically decorated would be something that he would like to do. He would go around and target and be like, that's cute. Let's get a, let's get one of those things and put him at home. So, yeah. yeah. Obviously I would like everyone to get to know you and sure. you kind of like highlighted some things that probably we'll get back to, but can yeah. you please just um, share with us a little bit about what was your childhood like growing, you know, growing up in China and all the way up to the point when you come to know the Lord? Yeah. Um, actually, when I look back into my childhood, there were so many different interactions that I had with Christianity that I wasn't really even aware of how impactful they are until I, mm-hmm. uh, after I was saved, um, that, that those things held a significance of my understanding of who God is. And when I was Well, I was born and raised in Shanghai, technically, but because I was born into Canadian citizenship and so was my dad. Um, Well, because my dad was a Canadian, so I was naturalized into Canadian citizenship, Mm -hmm. actually. And my mom was the only one in the family who wasn't a Canadian. So she actually took me with her to Canada for four years so that she could get the Canadian citizenship as well. But um, during that period of time was when she found out that my dad was not being faithful to her. And had another relationship outside of the marriage. And because we were very isolated in, in the other side of the world, basically, um, she grew closer to a faith-based community, which is technically a church, but there wasn't a lot of Christianity that they taught faithfully from the word. It was very seeker sensitive and very mm-hmm. watered down. I technically did grow up in Sunday school, if you would count the four years in there. Mm-hmm. But um, I, throughout that time, all that I've known about Christ is that he died on the cross for me, but I didn't understand the exchange that was made on the cross. I didn't understand the fact that Christ has imputed his righteousness into me. And then my sin was l- physically laid on him. Like that was the punishment rather than the the pain and the suffering on the cross. That was the more the lesser suffering in, in, in the reality of the cross. It took a long time. Like I, I consider myself a Christian, even though after we went back to China, we didn't go to church at all. It was more so like a Thanksgiving and Christmas type, you know, we, we would go to an event, a church event to have some sort of inspirational speech about faith. But, Mm -hmm. um, that was the extent of our Christianity at that point. Um, and I think high school was the more transformative time in my life where everything in my life started speeding up and my parents were officially starting to process a divorce and I was very much isolated from my family, had a lot of influence upon me from my friends in high school. And at that time, a lot of my peers were getting into more experimental stuff. They were going to, they were entering the partying scene and going clubbing and all of that stuff, being sexually active at a very young age and everything. And Mm -hmm. I had all of those influences around me. But I think by the grace of God, I for some reason reserved myself from that. I think the only reason was because I was so, I was so scared. I couldn't muster up the courage to do those things because I knew that it would impact my self-interest. So Mm -hmm. out of my my love for myself. I did not put myself in, in those places. Um, just scared of what the consequences would be, but nonetheless, I mean, I was still 
sinful in my own ways. And I still had my own um, idols and addictions behind the scenes and everything. Simultaneously, at that point, I was trying to pursue fashion design out of the whole mess of everything, Um, trying to make my passion for arts and design legitimate. Study design seemed like the right path to go and everyone around me did affirm me for my giftings in that area. But I think God also just miraculously changed my interests really three weeks before I graduated is when I decided, no, I'm not going to do fashion design anymore. I'm going to do environmental design. And it was a crazy transition because I tossed my portfolio that I was preparing for for years just to exchange it with a portfolio I've just put together within a week and mailed it out. And I didn't think that I would actually get into the school that I wanted to get into, which was a college of design. But I did. That was what brought me to California. And a little bit before I came to California, actually, I I was introduced in China to an underground church. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I experienced something remotely similar to expository preaching, which, which is the type of preaching where uh, the preacher would go through the Bible chronologically and expositing the text uh, in order. That was the first time that it was told to me very directly that the Bible is God's word and Mm -hmm. it holds authority. It's not just a book. It's not just text, but rather this is the word of eternal life. And, and God is directly communicating with us through this text. And that, that was just incomprehensible to me at that moment. But then I, I, I did, understand that all of this is true. And if this is true, it requires me to give up my life. Um, If what God says is true, then I am in sin and I am being condemned for the ways that I live, the influences that I have, and the way that I think. Like all of the idols that I have in my life, I need to put them away. And I wasn't ready for that. So Mm. even though with the realization of my sin, um, and God's holiness, I, I didn't have the desire to immediately follow Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, what was also another thing about this underground church is that now looking back, it was far more legalistic. A lot of what they taught was, um, very works-based. Um, so it was a lot about obedience, a lot about God's wrath, his judgment, a lot about, um, our works, you know, how we need to appeal to God and do do all of these things so that God would not be unpleased with us. Mm-hmm. But it didn't really give us the way of salvation, which is through Christ and through God's grace. And all of those things were ignored. So I had the understanding of my sin without having the understanding how can, how I can be redeemed. And when you say underground church, is it like literally an underground or is it just by name that it's... so? In China, there are two types of churches. The bigger churches, the more the visible churches are are the government established churches. Mm. And those churches you're free to go all the time. They would teach more self-help stuff, but they're not allowed to preach the end times because it prompts fear. They're not allowed to teach that um, you know, God is the only authority in your life because mm-hmm. like, you know, God can't be the only authority in your life if he, if the government wants to have power over you. So 
So it it basically strips away like yeah. the entire gospel and just gives you the morals of Christianity. So in other words, if you are openly proclaiming Christ like on the street, what could possibly happen to someone like that? They would probably sort you into a cult and mm. you could be arrested by prompting fear. Yeah. Wow. So that so, was like the kind of church they were going to then it was it was underground. So underground. all all of the churches that desire to um, sp- speak freely about mm-hmm. what they know about the Bible um, are often underground in groups that are smaller than 50. Because mm-hmm. if you are a group more than 50, then you have to be registered. Oh, and how long were you at this church? I was at this church for two months. The underground churches in China do not have the accountability um, mm. that the churches over here in America have. Mm-hmm. Um, there are no alliances, no confessions, no nothing, like no statements. Um, people just follow each community according to their own convictions. And sometimes that would lead to error. So did you end up leaving the church then? I actually didn't really make a decision. God brought me to California after mm-hmm. two months of being there. So I was immediately moved, removed from the scene. Mm-hmm. And it was really crazy because I was coming to California with the mindset that I would not be returning to religion for a while. Mm-hmm. I was going to be like, God, you're going to give me a couple of years. I'm going to experience life, live as, you know, like YOLO, everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to focus on my career. Yeah. Uh, and and when I came to California, God actually took me in a completely different uh, path and where I experienced the the opposite end of the spectrum of Christianity where mm-hmm. it was a lot of love a lot of encouragement a lot of um zeal and everything um but not really grounded in scripture mm-hmm. it was a lot of experience-based um Christianity mm-hmm. like you just feel it in your heart you mm-hmm. just experience it and you prophesy and mm. you you know you claim it you name it and it's mm-hmm. yours kind of situation. Um, and you have almost a relationship with God without understanding the Bible's understanding of who God is. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no balance of God's justice with his mercy. He was just plain merciful. Mm-hmm. And there was no balance of his his wrath and his grace. Like he's just willing to give grace to you, whatever you do, mm-hmm. you know? So was, at the time that you moved to LA, um, were you a believer or... I would say at that point, I have not yet surrendered my life to Christ. I was Mm -hmm. still struggling with the understanding of my sin. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, in my heart, I didn't have the desire to -hmm. follow God. I was trying to put my path to religion on pause Mm -hmm. to pursue my career and pursue my studies Mm -hmm. and say, maybe in 10 years, I'll come back to you, God, because I know Mm -hmm. that if I don't believe you, I'm going to hell. You know, like Mm -hmm. all of that, that was in the back of my mind. Um, But what did change my heart, ironically, was this group that I came to know in in Art Center. It was the Art Center Christian Fellowship Mm -hmm. in where um, this other Christianity that seemed so free and loving, they genuinely had a very hospitable and loving relationship towards another, one another. And I feel like that was when God was giving me a hint that, you know, there is a life that looks different from 
the life you had in China in your high school and in all of those those communities. Like there is a way that your life can look different in a mm-hmm. different community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I desire to be Christ-like during that time because I saw how these people were living. Um, but nonetheless, now that I look back, like there are a lot of mistakes and errors within the theology of that community as well, which was really hard for me to grasp, like having just two competing systems. Mm-hmm. But eventually God choose to use those competing systems to lead me to understanding of him yeah so and so what is it what is the process like for you then uh at what point um do you feel that you finally just surrender like how is that process for you yeah i believe that the holy spirit began transforming my heart at the time when i was participating in the art center christian fellowship Mm -hmm. is when i truly started to ignite in my heart a desire to be the Lord's. Like that was when I started forsaking some of my old habits and my past those things and started recognizing that I need to live radically different and I cannot be enslaved to my former life anymore. But it took me a while. Actually, it was my mom that came from the legalistic church Like she came to California for three days just Mm -hmm. to see what I was up to Mm -hmm. and everything. And I took her through the entire day of my life and everything. Um, And she saw all the stuff that I was participating and she was horrified because Mm -hmm. she was like, these people are worshiping in their sandals. These people are wearing too much makeup and all these things like legalistic comments. And sometimes like she had some correct uh, comments about, you know, uh, some right critiques about the group and how how the worship is not done in reverence but that led me to finally be like okay lord i i'm scared i'm scared that i am not worshiping you in the right way because in my heart i was genuinely hoping to honor god through my worship yet my mom is telling me this is not right And I don't know what to think about that because my mind hasn't exactly been informed by the word yet. Mm -hmm. So I still knew in my mind that that's where I need to go to, to start understanding better how to worship the Lord. But it took that to have me return back to the word and start my own self-study and seeking the Lord and just crying out to God to prove that I am his because I knew that I couldn't do it. I'm like, I'm trying to do good and I'm, yeah, I'm still failing. So mm. what do I do now? Because I didn't exactly know um, assurance comes directly from Christ's acts on the cross yet. So I think, yeah, it was during that period of time where um, I would consider myself saved, but it took a while for me to understand true assurance and where it comes from. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you surrender to the Lord and um, that you continue to dig in into the word, you know, to to learn more about what is this all about salvation and Christ, the the prize at the cross. Right. How did you see your life changing after that? It was miraculous because, I mean, my what God had done in my heart, it, it came before me fully understanding his word, which was like I was already putting off 
mm-hmm. my sin before I started reading the word. And I started from Genesis, actually. And because I knew vaguely from Sunday school and all of that stuff about what Christ has done on the cross, I was able to see the picture of Christ in the Old Testament. In even when God was clothing Adam and Eve with the animal skins, I would I saw Christ there. And when in Exodus, you know, when the people were putting the blood of the lamb on the post and the Passover and all of those imageries, I saw what God meant when he said that Christ was the better sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And it's when it hit me that, you know, Christ died for me, yes, but he died for me. Like he replaced me on the cross. Like that was me that was supposed to be on the cross. and yet he was placed there on my behalf. And so that through his death, I have eternal life. His life and mine was exchanged. You know, there was Mm -hmm. like a a replacement right there. Accompanying with my uh, reading of the word, I also started listening on YouTube, different pastors. And it like really started with a whole range of people. It started Bethel and Hillsong group. But then Mm -hmm. I started gradually having all, all these other suggestions of pastors like Paul Washer, like Tim Conway, Matt Chandler, John Piper, everyone in between. Um, And I started listening to these preachers. The more I listened to the preachers and the more I was reading the word and studying the word, I started gravitating towards the preachers that would explain to me what the word meant. And that made a huge impact in me, understanding who God is. And yeah, so... Even after all of that, like I started having just more dilemmas in my head because I know that um, what my first church and the fellowship taught me about God was incomplete. Mm -hmm. I can't just do this on my own anymore. I started Mm -hmm. desiring for a church. And when I prayed about a church, I was just Really, in my head, I had a lot of doubts because I know I was in California, and everything that I saw, I've seen so far, were the same churches. Like they're they're they all worshipped the same way. They all were like prophesying and everything, mm-hmm. and they were all very experiential and emotionally, you know, seeker sensitive and everything. None of these churches really emphasized the um, sovereignty of God and the inerrancy of the Word. But one of the days when I was just scrolling through Yelp is actually where I found Grace Community Church. And I at first didn't even know that it was it was John MacArthur's church and everything. And a little bit before that, I have came across uh, the Strange Fire Conference, which gave me a lot of clarity about the charismatic movement, about what differentiates a true believer from a false believer, you know, and all of those things like about that whole culture that exist in the United States <laughs> within the wow. Christian community. I, I just saw in one of the comments on Yelp that this was John MacArthur's church. And I'm like, what? John MacArthur's church is in LA and everything. So I dropped everything and just drove to the church and it was a night <laughs> service that day. Yeah. And when I entered the worship center, I was just overwhelmed because that was like the first time that I saw people actually referencing God's word in mm-hmm. the middle of preaching. And actually like flipping through scripture as the person was preaching. Mm-hmm. That was incredible to me because I've never seen something like that mm-hmm. in the States. That was how I was, I was officially kind of 
integrated into a healthy church community. Something that you just mentioned right now and that it, as, as you're talking, it's just like, it makes me, I was just thinking this is like how important it is that if your church, the pastor, the preacher who stands there is just speaking from his mind with no Bible in front of him, you should be questioning about that church. Are you truly mm. being fed the right food in this church? Yeah. And I love that that you said when I walked into Grace Church, he had a Bible. Yeah. Everyone. I mean, you know, like pretty much anyone who's like a member of Grace Community Church, you know, yeah. it's like we will walk in with our Bibles because we're like reading along along with the preacher. Yeah. It's like whatever you're preaching to me right now, is it according to God's word right now? Amen. Yeah. You know, I think it's not just, you know, like because we have so many different false preachers out there who are also quoting from the Bible, mm-hmm. but they're twisting God's word out of context in so many different ways. Even in my previous church, even with the previous fellowship, there were people who are trying to convince me that something in the Bible says something that, that it doesn't say. Yeah. And and without that ref- physical reference in front of us, like when I when I first learned about like the Bereans, how they how they continue to like study the word to affirm whether things that Paul said were true and everything that was just i i was like i need to live like this i need to mm-hmm. live according to the word i need to examine what everyone says and it it didn't matter what, whether it was you know hill song or bethel or john macarthur everyone needs to be examined according to the word because the word is the, the superior truth mm-hmm. and a good preacher should be preaching the word <laughs> the word yeah yeah like let the word of God speak for itself. You don't need to invent, invent something. Yeah. You don't you don't need to be innovative with the word exactly. because God's truth is for eternity. Mm-hmm. And and also like along with that, it's the Holy Spirit speaks to the believer mm-hmm. through the word. And yeah. it's like one of one of one of the things in uh, John 17 talking about just God's word being the truth that is the source in where we draw life and mm-hmm. where we um where we can be be more conformed into the image of the word and so mm-hmm. yeah i think people tend to think of the bible as a dead book mm-hmm. in in where you know it's just information it's just history people read it as just that but it's not it's divine in your own Christian walk, uh, what have been some of the challenges that, you know, most challenging experience that you've had as a Christian by far? And how did you see the Lord leading you through through those challenges? How did the Lord use that for you, for your own good? The greatest challenge in my Christian walk was the path to having assurance in my salvation. Mm-hmm. Because there were so many things that were pushing back. At that point, when I was trying to understand how my faith is validated in God's eyes, um, I've experienced two sides of resistance. You know, the legalistic church telling me that you can't possibly have assurance Mm -hmm. until you have reached perfection. Mm -hmm. And then the other side telling me that if you don't have experiences outside of, you know, the Bible, then your faith is practically dead. Like Mm -hmm. if it's not visible to you, if it's, if you're not experiencing things, how do you even know it's true? You know, Mm -hmm. all of these things. And so 
my path to having assurance, even with my own mother, my relationship with my mother, because she was so influenced by the church leader. And it, it was one of the most difficult things in my life, coming to Christ and actually going back to the underground church and trying to confront the leadership in that in that church. The leadership of that church is a woman. Mm-hmm. And she considered herself called because she believed that there were no other people in China that would preach God's word and all of that. She had a lot of false understandings of what God's law required of us after after Christ. You know, she had a difficult, well, it, it's just the fact that there was no differentiation between the Old Testament laws and the New Testament commandments. And the freedom that we have in Christ seems to be nullified because we still have to live like what the Old Testament people lived like. And in the standard of cleanliness and everything like that, like she still held to that mm-hmm. and everything. Most importantly, I mean, we know, according to the Bible, that men are called to lead the church. Mm-hmm. And in every respect, you know, it doesn't matter how gifted you are in communicating. It doesn't matter how called you felt and everything. If it's not according to the word, you're not called for that position. Mm-hmm. And it was hard to go against something like that because she had a very strong personality as well. And I had to go to her and tell her that if you, you can't be called to be a preacher if the word says otherwise. Mm -hmm. And that really triggered her to say that you don't have the Holy spirit because you can't see that I am called by God. Mm -hmm. So that was the sign that I was not saved to her. Mm -hmm. And, and that, became something that I had consistent conflict with my mom because I would not affirm her preacher to be a legitimate preacher of the word. During that whole process, like they would consistently tell me that my the assurance that I have is false assurance mm-hmm. and the peace that I have is false peace and all of that mm-hmm. stuff wow. um, in which I have to really examine my heart where I'm rooting my assurance in. And it can't be my works. I can't be assured because of my own faithfulness. Because I know that if it's up to my faithfulness, I'll always fail. Yeah. <laughs> and if it's up to my works, I'll always fail. <laughs> and nothing I do can be to the standard that God has for me. And it's only if I place everything, all my hope, to Christ dying, not just dying on the cross, but dying particularly for me on my behalf. And unless I believe in that, then I can't be assured. And I just was forced to the corner, like to, to that helpless state in where I can only rely that God is the one that's keeping me. God, the Holy Spirit is the one that's transforming me. And God, the son is the one that atoned for me. Yeah. That's all I have my hope in. And, and I know that that hope is true because the Bible says so. So like having coming to that, assurance that true assurance that nothing can take my salvation nothing that man says can take my salvation away is is the ultimate comfort that i have later on um but it took a really it was a really hard path to come to that to actually have that be true in my mind as to come to believe that yeah Wow, that's amazing. So basically that whole challenge and that whole journey of you trying to confront them and the preacher, your mom, the Lord, in the end, use it to 
reassure you, like give you the assurance of your own salvation, you yeah. know, not because of anything that you have done, but because of everything that Christ did at the cross. Yeah. It's because of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, you know, not because of anything good that we have done, because we fall short daily mm-hmm. before the Lord. And yeah. praise God that it's because of Christ that he Amen. lived a perfect life. Amen. And then he died on the cross for us. Looking at such a dark year for many people, and I would say like for the whole world during this time, for the church, for us believers, you know, I think it's been a time also that the Lord has revealed the the reality of our hearts to many. Mm. Like, are we standing with the Lord or are we letting a pandemic affect our relationship with mm-hmm. the church, with the fellow believers. It, a lot of things have been revealed through this year, throughout this year. So look back at 2020, because we're almost like getting to the end of New it, year, yeah. the end of the year, you know? <laughs> can you reflect back and just tell me some of the things that you're that you can praise the Lord for, things that he has done in your own life in 2020? Yeah, I think not just speaking for me, but speaking for a lot of people. I mean, 2020 has been very challenging and revealing all the idols of our hearts and, Mm -hmm. and just the things that we so easily um, would quarrel over just revealing all of those things in our lives that affect us. When James is confronting people, why are you so quarrelsome? It's because you're torn by your own desires and what what you want for yourself. Mm-hmm. And you always want to be right in all of these things. But rather, you know, we should put that aside and put on humility and mm-hmm. really love one another despite all of these different people have differences between politics, between like how do we deal with coronavirus about mm-hmm. convictions and on, on all of those levels? And also how do I reconcile with the fact that I'm losing my job, my finances, and my health is at stake and, you know, we're all in isolation and everything. I, I don't typically say that it's an unprecedented time because everything is in God's control and his providence um, that this particular challenge comes upon the church but I am so thankful that the church is still the church, even though through all of these differences, true Christians get to grow in these areas where they're not loving enough and not accepting enough of each mm-hmm. other to put aside those differences and unite. I think that's when Christ's love shines forth is like when the world is so divided on all of these issues that the church can still show love and hospitality towards one another and come together to help everyone through these processes. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like with me and Clifton, we've, we've experienced like particularly difficulties in finances and everything that gets involved with all this Corona stuff because I lost my job twice actually (laughs) during this whole time. And we had to deal with visa situations, being immigrants in the country and, Mm -hmm. you know, being like kind of neutral, in a sense, like politically, I, I wouldn't say exactly neutral, but anything that affects the country does affect us personally because we are immigrants in every way. And so just being kind of an outsider looking in on mm-hmm. those things, I'm glad that we have the ability to talk to people without being personally involved mm-hmm. in the voting system and everything, able to hear people out and can allow them to, you know, see the other side a little bit sometimes 
whether you are left or right, red or blue, there is a place where we can talk about those convictions and just choose to love each other despite the differences. And so I'm thankful that God has allowed us to have friends that are on different sides just to allow us to gain a little bit more perspective and understand like what's the right hill to die on (laughs) when it comes to these things, right? I think it was a very unique year in terms of just me and Clifton going through our engagement Mm -hmm. and everything. It's been very fun. Mm-hmm. but also very challenging in terms of figuring out life together and figuring out how to be financially independent in all of these ways, learning about life and planning for the future. And just to even think about the wedding and how what is essential in a wedding. And, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the end, what we're trying to do with the wedding is really just to exalt Christ and to, and all these other traditions don't really matter, you know? And so, (laughs) so it was just hilarious when the two of us, like we were having nightmares about our weddings and stuff like that. (laughs) And he, he was thinking, Oh, I, he he was having a dream where he literally didn't wear his pants at the altar and stuff like that. And I was, I was having dreams about, you know, everyone coming and me not getting ready at all and everything. And just like, Oh, I'm still in my t-shirt and my PJs and like a hundred people are here. Anyways, (laughs) that's the stuff that like we get anxious about sometimes, but then we go to our wedding coordinator and it's like, no, cakes aren't, aren't necessary. You know, all of these other things aren't necessary. We don't need a sand pouring ceremony or a feet washing ceremony. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're going to walk right up and speak our vows and just come right back down. We're going to be fine. Uh, and, and in the end, people are coming to the wedding because they love us. And we want them here because we want them to witness Christ in our lives. And yeah. that's like the simplest thing in the world. Yet we complicate everything so much because we're so self-conscious and aware and all of that stuff. And we, we want to please man rather than please God. Mm-hmm. Um, so just learning our priorities in life and learning how to be content in the more difficult, difficult moments. I, yeah. And yeah, just being thankful, I think. Another thing that is very great about 2020 is just the opportunity to rest. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, being able to have more time with a group of people, support them through all the hardships that they're going through in their lives during this time. And another thankful thing is just signing into an apartment that we're going to move into in January, having the opportunity to finally host people within a house that we consider ours. And yeah, all of that stuff, all of the the small things is is what I'm thankful for in uh, 2020. I think there's just a sense of tranquility in the midst of it all because we have our peace in Christ and we understand that God is sovereign and in control of everything, despite how messy it looks right now. Um, but God is still on the throne and everything Mm -hmm. is going to be okay. 
And yeah. even to the point of persecution or to the point of death, which we are totally not at right now, I come from China and I should know that because there's actually persecution happening in China. With all that in mind, like, we're good. We're living in prosperity, technically, still, mm-hmm. despite all of this. And and even though people are going through a lot of difficulties, the church is still the church. And it's mm-hmm. something that we can rely on, which is God's blessing towards us, that mm-hmm. we have this system of a, a safety net over us that that helps us when we're weak. So, yeah. 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 that. <laughs> Yeah. Thankful for many things. <laughs> <laughs> well, and actually, I already told Clifton this, but congratulations to you both that you're getting married. Thank you. On this new year coming up, yeah. January, right? It's fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so exciting. So exciting. Yeah. And I just love keep it simple. Yeah. And at the end, it's the blessing that counts. For and sure. It, this is me telling you because I plan of a huge <laughs> wedding <laughs> and then quarantine happened and it's like yeah. and i you know i didn't even know if we were gonna have a wedding at all but i was literally just telling yeah. a friend uh today about about your whole story with richard and it's just very inspiring to me personally and <laughs> thank and all, you. All, all the things that you guys been through so thank you yeah. no and i mean for me specifically this year has been a lot of just reflecting and meditating where Richard and I were last year, how he was, you know, because mm. he was the one suffering like the physical pain. I was, yes, mm. it, it was like my trial too, but he mm. was the one going through the suffering today that we're sitting here basically on a weekly basis talking to believers. And probably around this time, this is when I had the idea of like, hey, it will be cool to sit down with believers and hear how the Lord saved them and hear how the, the Lord has walked them through trials. Mm-hmm. Every Sunday that I would go to church and I knew that one of those people who stood up and there and they were singing, praising the Lord, they were going through chemo. They were going, mm-hmm. they, they were facing cancer or a child that was born and they had it in the hospital for like months. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and you're still here praising your savior. So Lord, help me to praise you mm-hmm. with this, you know, the same love and the same passion that everyone that now I see here at this church, yeah. though they're facing that, they're in the midst of the storm, they're still like proclaiming your name and praising you. Yeah. And I know this is a difficult challenge that we're going through, but please help me to be faithful to you. Yeah. That just, I won't be questioning, you know? Yeah, <laughs> just the having the comparison of the extent that of pain that other people are going through and how they are enduring in yeah. their lives just makes you think, wow, how small I am. And, and all the issues that are seemingly issues in my life aren't really issues at all. <laughs> it's just, it's, yeah. it's, yeah, hilarious to look at, look back at all these things and be like, wow, God really had a plan for all of this. And yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, and every child, you know, affects everyone differently. And every- you know, like my trial, it's probably not the same as yours, but for you, if it's Mm. as small as it is, it's still a trial. Mm. And it's like the Lord sends like those trials to like, it's a unique trial for that person that he had prepared beforehand, Mm. you know, and it's like, okay, Lord, so now help me be faithful to this. (laughs) Yeah. Seeing the diversity of, of Christ's body, you know, like within the church, how different God has use how differently God has used them and how in the different ways that God has led people towards him and continue to transform them and conform them into the image of Christ. Yeah. Everyone is different. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so amazing. 
<laughs> I love that what Paul says, like, you know, that when I am weak, then I am strong. Mm-hmm. And that's because of Christ. We yeah. have that strength that yeah. only comes from him. Yeah. No, thank you, Ashley, for taking this time and to uh, joining us and sharing and now <laughs> running oh. away from this. <laughs> Honestly, it's so yeah, much easier than I thought it would be because I'm just like talking to you. But yeah, yeah. that's what I always tell people. You're just talking to me. I don't mm-hmm. even think about the camera. <laughs> Yeah, but Hi, everyone. <laughs> well, thank you for sticking around if you're listening to this. Coming up next week, we have Ty Nickelberry coming back for our Christmas special. He will be speaking on the true meaning of Christmas. If you are probably having a hard time meditating or reflecting on why is it that we're celebrating Christmas, I think this will be very helpful for all of us. Uh, this will be on Christmas Day, so it will be available on Christmas Day. And then we'll also have Alex Torres coming back. He will do another version of that, but in Spanish. This will be also available on Christmas Day. And Alex will be sharing on the real gift of Christmas. And then we will have Jose Rosales, who will be back also. And Jose will be just navigating with us, reflecting on 2020 and looking forward to 2021. So I think this will be very encouraging for all of us because I know that all of us had a hard time around this year, but let's see how we can just refocus our focus into Christ. Thank you again, guys, and Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening or watching our podcast. If you're enjoying our podcast, we would like to invite you to support us by leaving us a review. Let us know how you have been encouraged by each one of the stories that you have listened here. Also leaving us your feedback. You can also help by following us on social media on Instagram and Facebook or by liking or commenting on our post and also by sharing with your friends and family. Also, don't forget to subscribe on our podcast and YouTube channel. Another way that you can also help us is financially by visiting our Patreon page by going on the link here on the description. It's blue.